Welcome to the Hobcast, a weekly podcast from Hobeck Books, an independent publisher of thrillers, crime and suspense novels. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of what we do, the challenges and the triumphs, the bumps and troughs of building a new creative business in this pandemic world. We'll hear from the people who make all this possible, the authors, cover designers and editors, and we'll have expert insights from our guest star interviews. Nothing is off the agenda on the Hopcast from Hobeck Books, as we combine trad values and an indie spirit. Well, as you can hear, we're out for lunch. It's a Sunday afternoon and it's snowing in Matlock in the Dales. It is snowing and I'm so happy because I love snow. Absolutely love it. It's magical. It's romantic. And you just think about cars and driving and roads. Well, I bought a 4x4 earlier in the year for this very occasion. And we're going to need it. And the reason we came out here, and by the way, welcome to the Hopcast Book Show. My name is Adrian Hobart. And my name's Rebecca Collins. And you're very welcome to the show. Uh, A little later, we are talking to books, shops, independent bookshops. Two people, one from the Isle of Wight and another from a charming little emporium. In fact, it is literally called the Emporium in Woodbridge in Suffolk. So we're excited to speak to them. And it's a really interesting conversation about the challenges of an independent bookshop. Sorry to interrupt. What bread would you like to sandwich on? Oh, Brown bread, so it's a whole meal. Whole meal, yeah, yeah, please. Thank you. And, um, yeah, we've learned a lot from from that conversation with uh, our guests this week. Now, uh, we came out to Matlock, uh, across the snowy hills of Staffordshire, then into Derbyshire, to deliver uh, our Ollie Jarvis-related Cambridge competition to uh, prize, to, to our winner. And we met a cat too. Yeah, we met another cat, and uh, you know, it was lovely to meet Louise and her family um, in Crich, which is not far from here, which has uh, very famously a tramway museum, which sadly was shut. So we had plans to record there, but as we watch, it is a full-on blizzard right now. It really is. It, even since we started, it's got heavier. So I could, I can sense your nerves. Yeah, I'm getting more and more nervous. It has to be said. Uh, anyway, the Hobcast Book Show. What is it? Well, it's uh, from Hobet Books. We are UK independent publishers of the following genres. Thrillings. Thrillings? Sorry, thrillers. <laughs> I was thinking of the snow. Crime novels. Mystery. And suspense. And, uh, yeah, we are very proud to represent 17 authors and possibly a few more in the, to come. We'll still making decisions on that if you're waiting for for a verdict it's been a busy week hasn't it oh absolutely another busy week i mean every week's busy but yeah it's been a full-on but very productive and enjoyable week of course yeah i've been absolutely eye-poppingly putting the hours in on some audio projects which um, are taking shape but you know i do forget every time i do it just how long the stuff after the recording takes uh you know especially checking through what you've edited and finding all the little snags and and you know retakes and stuff like that yeah i mean you've been listening on your headphones haven't you and just and every now and then you go oh, i've spotted one i spotted a collection. yeah i get excited <laughs> thank you so much thank you. brilliant thank you thanks very much slide that across to you there's my orange juice oh, lovely yeah it's been one of those and um it's 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 been a yeah interesting week and 
just I set myself some certain targets, uh, one of the which was reading through one of our future novels uh, and making sure that you know I've got some good critique and feedback to give. Uh, but I raced through it once I got going. I absolutely loved it, so I'm really looking forward to it. I won't say much more than that. But, no, because um, uh, the, the author in question doesn't know you finished reading it yet, but he might know who he is, who he's listening. Yeah, he might very well. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. Let's get into some news, shall we? Because uh, there's always publishing news to uh, sink our teeth into. And um, I think one of the most significant things is recently we've started publishing with Clays. Uh, Clays are uh, the biggest... Uh, print house in the country really for books and they um, distribute through gardeners well gardeners are pretty much the one-stop shop for all books now in the UK aren't they yeah they are now basically because um, I, can't, I can't remember off the top of my head the name of the other company their rival company that well there you are that shells you everything <laughs> doesn't it yeah but it went bust last year and uh, so left gardeners as being the distributing uh, feed for books into bookshops particularly and indeed onto Amazon if you publish with Clay's so uh, exciting news, gardeners are launching in France uh, uh, going to have a distribution warehouse there to get over the problems publishers are having from the UK getting books into the EU uh, it's a sensible move yeah, I mean, this is very welcome. I mean, it, it doesn't affect us hugely at the moment because, you know, we're still quite small and um, our sort of uh, uh, European sales, are, it's, it's not a big impact on us. But in the publishing industry in general, it, you know, it's, it's, very, it's a good, good move. Uh, gardeners say this new business provides our suppliers and customers with the seamless service they have come to expect. As we progress into 2022, additional services will be added to our European offer, enhancing this offering further. And so that is, uh, you know, they have Gardeners EU and Gardeners UK will sit alongside each other. Uh, and there will be no brokerage fees to worry about and uh, no customs charges, border fees or duty on point of delivery. So... That's great, but I guess what you need now is that's all very well, but at the same time you probably need clays to do something similar so that the books are printed in the EU, then go to Gardner's EU and get distributed that way. I mean, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Could, could, there be, could clays offer the same system that they offer to us and other small independent publishers and self-published authors for Gardner's in Europe as yeah. well as Gardner's in the UK? Because if you're a big publisher, you would you could print your books in a European printing. Oh, house. absolutely, yeah. But that wouldn't work for us. We would still want to have yeah. them at Clay. So it's a good question. Well, it's it's a significant move, and there's no question that that's been forced by Brexit. Um, you know, not making any judgment, but that's a, f- a fact of life. Yeah, it has impacted on um, the economy in this way. Absolutely, yeah. Now, you got very excited <laughs> by this article, uh, which is the words of the year from the Collins... Collins Dictionary. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, the Oxford English Dictionary do this as well. Thank you. No problem. Right. And uh, Collins do it too. And I should be more loyal to Collins mm-hmm. with the name, but... Um, so, uh, they have added to... Well, that actually word of the year for 2021, they've decided is... NFT, which isn't actually a word, so that's one um, aspect of this. That you know, it's an abbreviation. Can that be a word of the year? What does NFT stand for? Non fungible token. I knew about those anyway. Do you? Okay, you could explain exactly what they are, because there will be people who have no idea what an NFT uh, is. I can give you my layman's version. It's not very accurate, but basically, it is a way of distributing and selling digital products 
um, essentially you would buy a token. For instance, if David Hockney decided to go digital and exclusively paint digitally one work of art, he could sell that as a non-fungible token. And that would give you essentially access to this art exclusively. Or you could decide that you want to distribute as widely in the world as you wish. Uh, but essentially the non-fungible token is a great way of remunerating artists, authors, musicians for ex- at the moment it's mostly exclusive one-off content uh, but it's a digital asset that you can own and then you, it might gain in, in value and you can sell it on um, uh, or indeed if you have a special edition of say one of our books and we wanted to do 100 digital special e-copies um, with uh, let's say a character bespoke character going into the book which only you you know you're you're you as a person or something in the book you might sell that as a non-fungible token opportunity um it's then sold through the blockchain um and uh, you know it's using cryptocurrency to, to pay for these things it, a lot of people have been investing in non-fungible tokens for art particularly um, in recent years and yeah. making a lot of money on it yeah i mean you, you say it's a layman's definition you got it absolutely right and uh, recently, the most valuable NFT um, was sold for 50.3 million at Christie's. So, the same as an artwork. It's exactly the same. It's just a digital version of it. Yeah. And it's quite exciting. I quite like this. Well, imagine, imagine you wanted to buy the next Radiohead album but be the only person ever to listen to it. Mm. You could probably lob them 10 million and it'd be yours for, on an unfungible token. And then you might say, right, well, I'm going to flog that to a record company to distribute. And uh, they, you'd be allowed to do that. So it, it, it is a, an aspect of... Um, it's certainly publishing is looking at it intently. Uh, it may be the future of independent publish, e-publishing, which, and in many ways that makes sense. Um, there are companies now who are suggesting that using NFTs, when that book gets resold, or if you sold it on to somebody else, then the author would get 10% of that it would be written into the NFT absolutely so again this could disrupt the traditional way of distributing books it could bust Amazon out of the game for instance yeah and you know some would say as we're going to hear from our books shops <laughs> that's no bad thing but you know it wouldn't be a place for bro- bricks and no, water no it would go alongside it just like ebooks have gone alongside traditional books you know so yeah I mean, it's very important for us this idea and you know, I think something we're going to learn about um, in the near future. Now, other words that they've invented a dictionary. Um, lockdown, of course. I mean, and one I like is pingdemic. I love that. And that came yeah. about this summer, didn't it, when um, everybody was getting pinged and told to isolate. So it was the pingdemic. In fact, pinged has gone into the dictionary as well. Hybrid working. Yeah. Which um, it's working from home and working in the office. Concept that makes sense to us, but we didn't have the term before, and now you hear it all the time: hybrid working, um, double vaxxed. Yeah. Again, that's entered the dictionary. I'm about to be triple vaxxed. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm allowed to be triple vaxxed now too. But <laughs> um, and there's, here's one that's actually um, also sort of relevant to uh, the way that p- people are changing the way they think about. Um, identity, so neo-pronouns. Do you know what a neo-pronoun is? No. So it's a, it's a pronoun that doesn't specify... Gender. Gender, so oh. it's a new way... It would be. I think 
Partly because if you say they, yeah. because you don't want to specify gender, grammatically you have issues, yeah. don't you? Yeah. When you use they well, and could them. Could you give me an example of it? I don't know how you pronounce it. It's spelt X-E and X-E-R. Oh, I've seen those. But yeah. you're, there's also thom yeah. and fae, F-A-E. Oh, See, I haven't, I haven't seen this. Oh, fae, I've seen a bit, yeah. Okay. Well, right. that, that's also gone into the dictionary because oh, that's giving me giving me headaches. <laughs> oh well, uh, yeah, you know, but some words become redundant after a bit, so maybe that'll happen. But one last word that I'd like to say, and this is something that I would never use to describe you, chuggy. Do you know what chuggy is? I've seen it somewhere, but I don't know. It's uh, something that is hopelessly uncool or unfashionable. I'm chuggy. No, you're not chuggy. No, I'm chuggy. <laughs> No, I really am. So that's new to me. I've never heard Chuggy, but I like that. That's wonderful. Well, it's been um, it's been a, a really interesting week because we, we spoke to two booksellers this week, bookshops. Yeah. And uh, Chrissy Lloyd, who manages Medina Bookshop in the Isle of Wight and Cows, which is the yachty, well, she tells us, the yachty centre of the universe. So is it- I think it'll be interesting to hear what sort of books sell very well down there. I think most people could probably guess what sort of books sell very well. In yeah, there. I think Claire Francis is still pretty popular in that bookshop. <laughs> uh, so that's one. And uh, Elle, uh, you know, Ella MacArthur, you know, autobiographies and things like that. You're looking at me lost. Do you know, I was thinking, I wonder if any of the Howard's Way stars have written Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. We should have brought that up, actually. Uh, but yes, so that's the Isle of Wight, and uh, we talked to Jules Button. Now she comes into the conversation a little bit later. We had some IT problems, but uh, it was fascinating. Uh, she's a tea smith. I didn't know what one of those was, but right. but actually, it's well, she'll explain an expert in blending teas, and she's uh, used that in her shop, the Woodbridge Emporium, which is part bookshop, part gift shop, part tea shop. Yeah, it's, it's it sounds remarkable. We're going to have to visit on our next trip to Suffolk. And I also recommend visiting the website because doing a bit of research before we spoke to these two ladies, I did look at the Woodbridge Emporium website and I bought three books off her, so... <laughs> she did all right out of it. So let's uh, speak to, to Chrissy and to Jules. We've wanted to do this for ages, to focus on independent bookshops and get a feel for what it's like on the UK high streets. And we're delighted that Chrissy Lloyd from Medina Bookshop in the Isle of Wight has joined us. Chrissy, very welcome to the Hobcast Book Show. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to be here. It's uh, fantastic to speak to you. We, it's it's hard to catch hold of a bookshop owner simply because... Oh, they're busy selling books. Yeah, it's a manically <laughs> yeah. busy thing that you've gone into. Take us through you, the decision to, to, to step into the world of book selling because it's, it's relatively recent. It's a couple of years ago, isn't it? Well, so I'm not the actual owner. I'm the manager of the shop in Cowes. For me personally, books are just a passion of mine. I'm my actually first passion is a writer, so I've been writing since I was um, a child. Uh, nothing published just yet. I haven't, I haven't been brave enough to do that step. But various jobs over the years, I've worked for a literary agents. So I've been on that side of the publishing as oh, well. All right, okay. And then no, this job came up uh, a couple of years ago. Um, we are a publishing house first and foremost. They were on the mainland, but they moved to the island a couple of years ago when there was a restructuring because the actual owner's on the island. And the shop sort of opened up. It was mainly an office, actually, for the publishing side of things um, when they first opened in 2019. But then, 
yeah I so when I joined it was we'd had some books some local books uh, maritime because being cows the home of yachting and regatta uh, maritime is a big thing for us and then we had stock stock some of our own books but then covid happened but I, I know it sounds awful because it has been a tragedy but covid was the best thing for us in a way because I was then able to take over the shop um, and I'm like this is an opportunity here can I please let me have free reign and coming out of the first lockdown I sort of reopened us up as a full-on independent bookshop as well as the office for the publishing side well, and it's amazing. just been on the up and up since then it's just getting busier and busier and people are going oh you know, he's busy it's sort of you know thinking we're going to say no and I'm like yes we're really busy and people are quite shocked but it's just getting you know every month is better than the last it's just brilliant. Do you think that's because people they they just they love independent bookshops so they see the bookshop and they you're sort of almost drawn to it and also like you say because they expect you not to be doing so well because of you know lots of stuff in the news about independent bookshops struggling that they come to support you and therefore your business is doing quite well as a result that absolutely is the case you sort of hear people outside they're like oh my god it's a bookshop you know it's an independent bookshop oh wow you know it's a shock and people come in because there is just something about a bookshop. It's just different from every other shop. There's just something about, I don't know, the soul of a bookshop. It just is so inviting. It's a place where you can, there's no rushing. I say people take as long as you like. We don't do rushing in here. And they can just come and chill and browse. And, you know, as a serving customers, it's not somewhere like, right, next, next. I will sit and have a 20 minute conversation with a customer. Um, you know, you get your repeat custom. Also talking, yeah, people are realising, I think, with lockdown about, you know, we lose the community and we're losing high streets. It's really hit home now. And people will come in and go, I know I can get it on Amazon, but I don't want to. I want to support you. You know, I want to support local independence. And that's what we're really, really seeing. So it's it's wonderful. That is that's such a positive story. And, yeah. And, 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 and that's why I love independent bookshops, because um, that I used to go to as uh, a village in Shropshire called Much Wenlock and they had a lovely independent bookshop. And I'd take my three boys there and we spend like 45 minutes to an hour in there yeah. because it was such a welcoming atmosphere in, in shops such as yours. You know that you don't feel like you say you don't feel rushed. You feel like it's I mean, it's sort of it's not a library, but it's that slight liveliness to it so you can yeah. browse and then you decide what yeah. you want to buy we've got we've got you know a big big sofa in there and people are more than welcome to come and sit and you know sit on the sofa and have a little read of the books to make sure it's what they want as long as they don't bend the covers that's fine um yes. we've also one of my colleagues is very very and he's just so talented he built a teepee a wooden teepee for the kids yes, I saw corner. that on your website. Yeah. Yes, the kids can go in the TP and there's cushions and oh, there's for the kids. That, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes you know, sometimes <laughs> we we adults go in there if it just gets a bit too much. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the kids like yeah, the kids can go in there and they sort of grab some of the picture books and then the parents have a browse and it's it's great. It's, the struggle is getting the kids back out. This is a lot of bribery. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> get them out, but it's just I don't know. There's just something special about a bookshop. I know I'm biased, but they're just that's what our customers say time and time again. We hope to be joined by Jules, who runs a bookshop in Suffolk at the Woodbridge Emporium uh, a little bit later. Uh, she be, she wrote a blog as to why uh, she set up her bookshop in 2018. Mm. And uh, one of the key reasons was that uh, her kids had banned from buying any more. Uh, and she wanted to have a daily indulgence of smelling fresh new books <laughs> straight out of the box yep. <laughs> off the palate before they go up on the shelves. Um, 
is a <laughs> there is something about a bookshop and the, and the smell of a fresh new book, isn't there? I mean, like people get oh, excited by yeah, trainers, that's another books, comment. boy. Time and time again, people come in and go, oh, I love the smell of the bookshop. It is the smell. I don't smell it so much now. I thought when you're surrounded by it all the time. You're to it, yeah. <laughs> you do, sadly. But then, no, when do book, you know the new books come in, um, you do have a little bit of a sniff when no, no one's looking. I'm sorry, it has to be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see, when um, Adrian read that story out to me, I related that because we moved house in January and I took the opportunity to count how many books I was packing in uh, the boxes to move. We had 3,785 books. Nice. So I think I need to open a bookshop so I don't buy Absolutely. any more myself. <laughs> you do. I, I, it's sad. Sometimes you do hear comments and it, my heart dies a little. Like some the other day there was a father said his daughter was looking at books and he, he turned around to her and said, well, haven't you got enough books? And I'm just like, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, like in Peter Pan where a fairy dies. I mean, it's time, you know, they said, don't believe in magic. I don't believe in fairies. You do get that. You're like, what? How? I just, I don't, un- on a genuine level, I don't understand how somebody can say you've got enough books. Not to a child. That's saying (laughs) one to a child. I know that was even worse. Um, But it's, I just don't understand it because does that mean you say you can limit your knowledge? You can limit how much something you can experience, how much happiness. I just don't understand how there can be a limit to expanding your mind. Do you know what I mean? No, no, exactly. It's just like, oh, no, no. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was and even, so I, well, I buy lots of books and Adrian buys lots of books we read each other so we might not necessarily read the ones that we own you've pretty much mm. gone through all the ones I bought in Harrogate I did yeah, yeah. at the festival <laughs> all the signed ones have been well thumbed now <laughs> thanks nice. a lot love sorry <laughs> <laughs> if you buy good books what do you expect me to do I'm a terribly slow reader and that that is self-limiting in the sense that We've got uh, well over a dozen manuscripts from our last subscription sort of submissions yeah, trawl. Yeah. And so out of the 50-odd that we got through, we've asked for full manuscripts from 12. I haven't got to any of those yet. And we've oh, got mean, people jumping up and yeah. down and saying, that, well, I'm quite impressed yet? that you've asked for 12. You obviously get some really good submissions because when I used to work for a literary agent, one of my jobs was reading you know, the unsolicited submissions. And mm. yeah, our ratio was nowhere near that high. So obviously, um, no. we were submitting. We were amazed, actually, weren't we? Because uh, you know, we had uh, former scriptwriters, people who already published and done very well with books, with um, mm. either self-published or with other publishers. And yeah, so it, it was, it was, it was almost like we can't. This is too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, the hard thing is, I mean, we, what we don't apply is perhaps that filter that you would have done at the in, in, earlier in your career is that filter of will it sell does it fit in the market does it fit in our list we're not at that stage yet I mean our list is 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 growing quite regularly you know almost a book a fortnight at, at the moment Marvelous. but yeah no it's great but it's it's not something that we, we apply this that sort of hard cynicism about the, the the numbers because we we want to bring books that we really believe in and love into the world and <laughs> perhaps that's naive because you know from, I from think a it's lovely I think it's really lovely to hear that and then you know because um that's the problem with you a lot of people just immediately think of the you know the big publishing houses and go with the big guys but they are so limited to what they want and you know they'll say oh we want to try new and innovative stuff 
but they no. don't actually. They just want to know what, you know, something that sells before will do it. You know, they just want to fit you in a box. But time and time again, awards and things have shown that it's the ones that go outside of the box that mm. are the ones that people want. As long as it's good writing, there's a difference. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be good, well written, and, you know, the, the, there are certain rules you do need. I know everyone says, oh, you don't, there's no rules to follow in writing. Well, actually, there are. No, that's rubbish. But, uh, you know, there are certain rules and things. As long as it's a good piece of writing, it shouldn't have to be this prescriptive or what everyone else, because I think people are getting fed up with the, oh, it's just another one of those, you know, that get turned out. It's like some authors, I don't know how they do it. They can turn out two or three books a year. But if you start reading their back catalogue, you realise it's just the same book every day over and over again, the same formula that you can, after the first chapter, you know exactly what's going to happen to every character. And so it's yeah. nice to have, you say, you want to break out of the mould. You want people to be, you know, it's, it's about, it should be about the story, whether mm. it's a good story. I, I agree. And what you were saying about the rules as well, we have this sort of philosophy that you can break the rules as long as you know the rules in the first place. Yes, yes. And you're yeah. breaking them for a reason, rather yeah. than just randomly. <laughs> yeah. So, no, yeah, definitely. we do tend to react on our gut feeling when we're choosing, don't we? We do, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I will uh, have a certain threshold i suppose uh, <laughs> if i see dialogue um which is not mapped out properly you know the grammatically incorrect yeah, that's yeah. a red flag for me um you know especially in a submission where you would presume someone's gone over it a dozen times to make sure it's yeah. as perfect as it can be um and then you know uh, don't start me on apostrophes but you know it, it's <laughs> Um, but you know, we we have arguments about apostrophes now. I mean, it's it, it they, they creep in, but it is that that's one thing. I mean, you know, you can you can do all the window dressing you like. You know, you can make it look really smart and you know really tidy it up and and all that sort of thing. But at, at its core, you've got to suck me in with the story, slam me into the middle of that story straight away, make me yeah. feel something, mm. make mm. draw me in, and Definitely. I think. Um, too many submissions if I'm honest and, and this was true of probably half the ones we've rejected um, or are in the process of rejecting uh, would start with essentially your notes you know your background thing the two-page mm. synopsis yeah. so-and-so was a such and such and they were married to so you know almost like that <laughs> great Russian literature you know where they, they used to sort yeah. of uh, list out the 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 characters you're about to meet um and that in the from the modern reader is just death frankly it is i mean it works i'm currently doing um a degree with the ou um and oh. it's actually what i'm doing right now before we're doing um <laughs> and so the first couple of books was thomas hardy and i'll be honest i'm not a fan because he's i know he's he's wonderful and i probably upset a lot of people by saying that but um <laughs> but you know in his day they it was it's pages and pages of description and i'm just like come on get on with the story <laughs> nowadays it's just you know obviously there is a place for that sort of literary fiction which actually does sell very well in our shop um you know it can get away with it but for to general sort of maybe commercial sort of that side of things people just want the story they want a well-written story um you say they connect with it's it's the thing I think we are writers which is the hardest thing to get them when I've I've done you know I've, I've taught in a bit of writing I run a writer's group before Covid put the kibosh on that and it's the isn't it showing um not telling yeah the hardest thing for new writers some people just get it and others it's you know it takes a while to get it in and then but when it does it's the, the whole different takes your story to a whole different level doesn't it absolutely kind of yeah I guess that 
but the thing I always say to to anybody when I was in my writing group or to you know we, we have because of my background in writing I have a very big creative writing section because I used to always get crossed you'd go to bookshops you know Waterstones or the Smiths and the writing section they'd have like the writers and artists yearbook and maybe one <laughs> other book and be like well that's not helpful so I have like a whole big shelf dedicated to all different writing books you know um, bird by bird you've got Stephen King you've got a lot of the teach yourself how to write books which are great sort of workbooks because I think it's really you know important to to get you know if people want to write they've got to study the art of writing the techniques of writing I know some people there are some people out there who can just go sit and write and it's amazing but for most of us it's a, I think that's it's rare, isn't it's it? a skill you've got to learn so so yes, I always I've got a big shelf of that, and the one thing I tell all of them is it's lovely when you get youngsters coming in and they want to sort of learn. The parents say, "Oh, they write," and I'm like, "Oh, it's great." One thing I tell everybody, and as Stephen King said, "Read, read, and read some more." Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. I think that's the number the one thing I would take out of on writing. But there are things that I would criticize, like you know, he always says it, he said, she said, and leave it at that. Um, that for me is a problem because if you're narrating it. I can tell you it's the <laughs> hardest thing in the world if every sentence is attributed with the he said or she said. I mean, one thing I wanted to ask um, you, Chrissy, was about sort of how you create your stock because, um, you know, you're, you, you're not a four floor water stones no, in Piccadilly. So how do you go that, through that process of deciding what to stock and what not to stock? It's been a real learning curve, especially at the start when we really didn't know when I was sort of really stocking the shop. Uh, where we're in Cowes, the home of uh, the yachting regattas and everything, we're lucky in that anything maritime will sell. So we've got a big maritime uh, non-fiction section and that anything to do with there, that just sells really, really well. Boats, sailing, um, anything water related. So and then books, sort of water based books, um, uh, sailing books they, there. That's the start. And then. Um, we do have an antiquarian maritime section as well, which is created by a local book dealer, which is nice. Ah. And he comes in sort of once a week and changes it. So we get some some of the older stuff, um, which is great. And that's those two sections are the most popular ones. So to start with, it was a bit of trial and error. I kind of went like, what's the top 20, 30 books? And I started from there. And then you slowly realise what people like, what they don't like. The biggest learning curve was that 10 months of the year, nobody in Cows on the Isle of Wight wants a hardback book. They, um, not fiction. Non-fiction is not quite so bad, but fiction, they're just not interested. Not at all. So, oh, it's, oh, I don't read hardback because they're too heavy. They're too big. I find them too cumbersome. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's the paperbacks that sell. Um, and then, yeah, now, though, it's it's all about the autobiography. Christmas time, all the rules go out the window and it's all about the hardback gifts. So um... that's fascinating though, isn't it? Because yeah, I've noticed that for a few years. Uh, at this time of year, it's all the celebrity autobiographies. All the autobiographies. Yeah. <clears throat> so I for why? This... <laughs> I don't know. It's bizarre, isn't it? Everyone maybe I don't know. Feels they're very actually, dad books, the time, so, though, you're not then what you're doing is you're not actually buying it for yourself. It's a present. Oh, they like such and such a person, which means they must love this book. So I think that's why they sell well. Most people no, aren't buying them themselves. It's all gifts. Oh, I don't know what to get dad, you know. Exactly, they're dad's called. books. <laughs> yeah, so they're just like, get him a biography on a, a music person or a comedian, something like that, or a sports person, and yeah. um, sorted. 
one thing we talking about curating we in our shop because we're only little we can't discount so that does what have people putting off I'm like how much is this well it's a 7.99 paperback and they just look at you in disgust and walk out and i'm like come on people um and i get cross with that because i'm like well then you're not valuing the work the author has put in you know i'm sure they work the person coming in wouldn't work for what less than minimum wage so why should an author you know mm. get you know that's the same with artists crafters i do get a bit cross it's like no you're not you're so undervaluing their work and their talent absolutely so and they the also... not discounting in the shop and they don't realize that you know actually you're not getting 7.99 of that because yeah, they were... really not no <laughs> because no. It, you know there's, there's the royalties that the author gets from that the publisher you know the all the sort of marketing yeah so yeah. you're the, the other end of the chain from from where we are so we you know we are very well aware that there's lots of cuts <laughs> to yeah. all the people involved all the way along the way and I'm, you know i'm not sure people quite realize oh they don't they just see how cheap they can get it on that other place um and just <laughs> place. everywhere else <laughs> that place we don't mention um and just think that's how it should be that book should be that cheap and then in the supermarkets as well there are certain authors i won't even bother stocking in my the shop because I can't get it with my discount for as cheap as what you can go and buy it in a supermarket. No. So there are certain no. authors, there is absolutely no point. So what we like to do is because we're so small, you know, we're a very small shop really, we like to do something slightly different than what you might get in Waterstones or Amazon. So we particularly with children's, which is one of my section, I'll go for lesser known authors and debut authors and things like that to try and introduce people to you know write wonderful wonderful writers they won't have heard of to give these other people a chance um we do you know we still do stock the top tens and you know we've got richard osmond and things you know the, the ones that will sell but um we try to go for things slightly different that you know that we've got an interest in that my team there's three of us in the shop and we're all quite different and so we're all mm. quite passionate about things so we want to get books in that when people ask for a recommendation we've either read it or we know the genre we know the author and we can really talk passionately about it because that's what sells the book as soon as you start you know it's it's the passion that we can put into it that the other place can't you know it's soulless whereas you know you that's what a bookshop is about is it? it's about the soul and the passion i am so thrilled that uh, jules button could join us from the woodbridge emporium in suffolk for those of you who have never been to that neck of the woods or or, or you know no woodbridge at all uh, describe what your bookshop is like and how it sits within your community um well we're right in the center we're in the thoroughfare so which is the the main um channel the, the main street in woodbridge um we're we're on a corner that um uh of elmhurst walk which runs down to the very old um elmhurst park and so we're, we're in quite a prominent position um just up a bit from like you know the big shop the big shop we don't really have any big shops but the biggest <laughs> shop which is um like um uh boots and things like that so we're just up from there and um you know our corporate colors are black and red and we're a list of buildings so the building's really old and so it's sort of like got th three little you know it's got three rooms rather than just some one big room and I took it over, um, it used to be called Woodbridge Books and I changed it to Woodbridge Emporium about four and a half years ago because um, I previously had other shops. I was um, formerly owner of Rainbow Apothecary Health Shops 
and um, I decided I didn't want to be in retail anymore. And, uh, and so I sold, sold my shops and um, I was doing other work. And after about a year and a half, it was my children, actually, they sort of said to me, they said, Mum, you buy so many books and you read so many books. Our house is actually like a library um, and you've got to stop buying books. So I thought, well, all right, then I'll buy a bookshop. <laughs> and then that's the way I I'm got going around to use it. that on my children. <laughs> so they wish they'd never told me that anyway. So um, the bookshop, um, I took it over and it was it was doing OK, but it really needed a lot of vibrancy brought into it and made in more of a community bookshop. I wanted to appeal to everybody, you know, young, old, charities, schools. Um, and also I wanted to bring in a lot more diversity. Um, and you might have heard I got into a bit of trouble with Black Lives Matter um, uh, when um, we 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 done displays of black history books and things like that and um i i got a lot of abuse and threatened to have my window smashed and things like that so we had to get the police involved um and everybody sort of said oh you know hasn't that put you off and everything and i thought no it's done its job it's made it's highlighted everything you know um that's what i wanted to achieve so from that aspect that was good um but it was a bit scary at the time but that's how the bookshop sort of come apart and now we get involved in lots of different things and um i was also i'm a herbalist by profession and and tea smith so we thought right we'll bring in teas and do book and tea pairing but the books uh-huh. the teas are just flying off the shelves and things like that um so i, I do a lot of um what i call book lover teas so i made one for anthony horovich um because he's done it he does he's done a couple of um events with us because we get on with him really well and um he wrote the book about sherlock holmes he wrote moriarty yeah and so i made him a tea called moriarty Oh. and he just he said oh this is really good you know so that sort of gave me ideas and so um we do a lot of um you know book lovers teas as well so I, I do sort of the book and tea pairing so it's really quite good I like that though because you do you read your book and you have your, your either coffee or tea don't you so they they do they're yeah. natural they um, go partners. together mm. yeah they, they do go together um and there's a lot of books when you read um um some of the books sorry my phone keeps pinging um when you read a lot of books there's usually a character or something in there that you know is making lots of tea (laughs) and you think oh yeah what tea are they drinking and can I mimic it you know um so that's what I try and do I try and work out what tea they're drinking in the books and then say this tea was drunk in so-and-so book uh which is it's a fun thing to do that's fantastic yeah I like that (laughs) And in terms I'm just of really jealous about the Anthony Horowitz thing because he's one of my favourite writers. <laughs> he is lovely. He is, is yeah. absolutely. He's the most. He's such a wonderful person. He is. is really lovely. Yeah, it's his, the Alex Ryder series because um, children's fiction is my specialism, and I just devour. I love the Alex Ryder series. And my boys and, have loved it. Yeah, I mean, I love it. Yeah, and I mean, I like his, because uh, he obviously done um, some James Bond stuff. He done the Trigger Mortis. Yeah. He's done all the... Um, Magpie Murders and those, Magpie which are really Murders. popular in our shop. Yeah, very popular. Because um, obviously the mentions, you know, and you've got, with the Suffolk thing, you've got um, 
you know people go oh I know I know where that is mm. I know where that is what he's writing about um and then you've got your Sherlock Holmes thing um and then obviously you know you've got your other books where I mean I think he's his books that he writes where he is in it himself is just incredible he's one of the protagonists within the book it's just amazing he was so he writes about himself and he takes the mick out of himself that's really hard thing to do so he is and he's such a nice person Anthony Horovich is like my guru Rid. Oh, and he's been so supportive <laughs> yeah yeah fuzz over his uh, mobile we'll give him a call <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful to hear yeah. in terms of um because Chrissy was saying that, you know, essentially the, the growth of her bookshop has been uh, as a result of the pandemic in the sense that people have really come to value being, you know, having their bookshops denied them for a few months. Uh, which was hell, I have to say. Which was hell for everybody <laughs> concerned, I'm sure, um, has made them more passionate about supporting their local bookshops. Have you found that too? Um, yes, they are very passionate. I mean, in Woodbridge, I'd probably say over 60% of the population is, is mature, is over 60. So um, it's been quite hard for us. But we've really gone online and we've done, I, I actually worked through all the three um, lockdowns. I've done click and collect, dropped off everywhere, dropped tea and books off like no tomorrow, um, built the website up a lot. Um, and we do a lot of online work now a lot of online work um and we find that even the locals that live like just a mile down the road or something they're actually ordering online because they don't want to come into town still a lot of people right um but they're still supporting us but just online is that through bookshop.org do you type no our own no no our own website right and chrissy do you use bookshop.org we do use bookshop.org because we just don't have the capacity within the team to manage an online shop and uh, you know keep it up to date and do all that so bookshop.org was great for us during lockdown and people really used it yeah we were sort of open uh during all the apart from the first one during the the last two for you know click and collect or call and collects um and that went really well so it was able to sort of keep us in people's minds and stuff and people would come and yeah use us which was great now I know we when you know we're trying to avoid talking about the the beast in the room, Amazon. I thought you meant me but then. The fact is that <laughs> one of the things it has done in terms of book selling is it's you know you literally you think of oh I fancy reading something about that you you can find all those titles and it'll be on your doorstep the next day, so that's quite a competitive advantage that they're throwing out there. So in terms of how quickly you can both um uh you know cater for those needs do people have the patience uh do you find that they will they will wait for you to supply that book yeah we've on we find usually um from our suppliers we can get it within the next day um and when you you know weekends it's a little bit longer but um no people are just like oh no that's fine whenever just let me know when it's in people don't mind waiting at all um, I think it's too tight. If people really want it that bad, they won't even come to us. You know, they'll just go straight to the Amazon. But the people who want to support their local bookshops, they don't mind waiting a day or so. And we find the same. You know, we if people want the, um, if they want to order from Amazon and if they support Amazon, 
they they don't even entertain contacting us um but you always get the well i'd really like to order from you if you can you know when could you get it and um, like chrissy says we can we can more or less get the books next day as well um we we get them delivered to people usually within 48 hours if we possibly can and what people don't realize is a lot of people just automatically assume that all books are cheaper on amazon they're not um you know they have a lot of lost leaders you know they will have books that are lower than a lot of the time than what we can even buy them ourselves that's i think one of the hardest things for me to deal with is that i can't even buy the books in for what amazon sells them at but that is only a few there are a lot of other books out there that are the same cost as what we sell them it's just people just automatically assume that they're going to get them cheaper um and they don't that's interesting. Chrissy was also saying that, you know, in terms of stocking for Christmas, that's the point where hardbacks become a thing again. But 10 months of the year, she can't sell them. What about you, Jules? Um, hardbacks, I don't tend to not um, get too involved with unless they're signed. We do a lot of signed books. That's the way we shift the hardback books because other high street shops that sell books um supermarkets they won't have any signed ones so we we try to stock in sign but um there's no point in competing you've just got to be different you've got to buy, be diverse you've got to offer books that um you're not they're not going to get when they they're shopping and buying their tins of peas and um things like that you've got to offer different books rather than mainstream books and also a lot of the authors that are stocked in like supermarkets and places like that and you know especially the kids books you know the authors are ghost writers um we yeah. won't even stop we won't have them in the shop i won't have any of those big names um, <laughs> I, I think they're probably the same ones we won't either <laughs> because i don't what i don't why do i want to stock books like that why and why do we want to compete with um you know the supermarkets and other um big bookshops and you know when they're basically certain i want to sell alternatives and people will come in going oh i want that book by so and so so and so you know about you know uh, I don't know lots of you know I won't, won't mention books um and I'll say well we don't stock that because he's a ghostwriter and they're all like what no and I go yeah um but however we stock this this writer's really good the book is fun um it's a quid cheaper you know buy it. and it's about educating your customers because they don't know any different they're just used to seeing um that oh that funny comedian guy writes lovely books for kids and isn't he so funny and nice no actually um he doesn't have a lot to do with them or they don't have a lot to do with them why don't you use you know have something better um and a nicer read and so it's it's hard work but eventually it does pay off you know people do realize and they do come in for alternative books i think i think that's true and um it's interesting because I was looking at your website, Jules, just before we came online and I discovered a copy of a book written by an author that I, I came across by chance a couple of years ago. And I absolutely love him. It's Dan Rhodes and it was a signed copy. And, I, and I, it's in my basket at the moment on your website. Oh, I love his work. Sour grapes. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. 
I'm, re I'm reading it at the moment and it's such a fantastic story because he wrote The Man That Got Caught Out in the Snow or something like that yeah. and his books are quite funny um and he writes in a particular manner and um he, he hasn't written any for about 10 years I don't think because he got owed a lot of money from like the agencies and the publishers and things like that so um he was really annoyed with the whole industry um and then I lightning on I lightning books um approached him to um and said that why don't you write a book and eventually he did and he's so it, it's a different publisher and he's right it's a small independent publisher that he's used called eye lightning and they are yeah. incredible they're really good publishers and um so dan has brought out this book and it's basically just you know um, going on and um about authors about book events about book festivals about publishers and it is quite funny because he I, I, he I can't remember the name of the book but it was set in a small welsh village um and it was about a girl who was on holiday there and the adventures she had with the locals in the pub i, know, I just yes. loved it brilliant yeah yeah and that's the thing is just trying to push and publicize different books <clears throat> we we stock a lot of esoteric books we do a lot of um spiritual books we do a lot of folklore books we do a lot of local history books um and, and most of them are all online because people want something different or they want to be able to email and go oh you know have you got a book about so and so and I'll go yeah I have actually you know <laughs> I've got I've got about a book about you know the last witches that were hung or something like that you know that's just yeah offering different things that must be the, the key fun. I'm, I'm, I am shocked, though, that if I go to either of your bookshops, I won't find a Katie Price. <laughs> I'm, I'm really horrified. Yeah, well, I'm not answering that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, moving on. Don't worry, you'll get something for Christmas, because no, it's for... one of those biographies. Oh, great. Uh, lovely. I'll get one yeah. in the post now from somebody, won't I? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. Well, look, I have had the... Um, this is where I, I always diversify in our interviews because I'll give you a personal anecdote, but I did get drunk one oh, time God, we go. <laughs> with Katie Price uh, when she was you know, more famously known as Jordan. And, um, and it was a long story, but it was at the Brighton Grand Hotel. And um, I somehow ended up in this celebrity uh, party with Katie Price and uh, several members of the Bill cast. <laughs> <laughs> you do and jimmy hill um anyway uh, it, it, it was quite a night but uh she's... So maybe you're in her book well I, i'm very <laughs> glad to say that because she's ghostwritten she probably isn't as potty mouthed as oh. she is in reality <laughs> because boy oh boy can that girl swear anyway uh i digress i think one of the key questions we wanted to ask you uh both was your relationship with the book industry with the publishers uh, to, to help independent bookshops because you know obviously they spend their time slavishly uh getting waterstones attention and trying to get the books to stop stocked there and the wh smiths and tesco's or whatever oh, but well <laughs> but, but the, I, I i just wonder what sort of relationship you 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 have with publishers from your perspective so, chrissy did you want to go first yeah, yeah, thank you, my love. Um, we don't tend to deal too much with the publishers. It's just because we're so small, it's easier to go through Gardner's, the main supplier, of course. Um, yeah. rather than going to, off to individual uh, publishers. Um, 
but you know they are they're great in that we're getting point of sale stuff which is really really useful for the shop and promoting things i think my big bugbear um and it's a lot of independent bookshops is when publishers do their marketing campaigns it's i wish they'd stop do automatically doing the link to buy the book on amazon mm. you know they all yeah. do that instead of saying buy the book you know available at independent bookshops or at a bookshop but they just always always promote the amazon first and the thing is christy that um you know is it's obvious they're going to be on amazon it's obvious the books will be there. So they don't need to do that link. But what they do need to remind people is, is that they are available at independent bookshops because a lot of people have come in and said, oh, well, I saw this book um, been publicised the other day, but I don't think you do it, do you? Because it's only on Amazon. No, it isn't. Mm. We can, I mean, we can get, can't we, Chris? We can get any book out there. We can Absolutely. get anything. Um, and this is what the publishers need to get across. They need to support us in that way by saying, you know, independent bookshops can get you anything you want. Um, yeah. And we can. And um, but when they always do that link, um, people just see it instantly. And, do you know, it's programming. It's like hip therapy. If you keep telling people enough, buy this book from Amazon, do this from Amazon, they don't even begin to think that it could be available from somewhere else. They forget about independent bookshops. Um, and so really, we want publishers to put links to, um, well, not necessarily put links, just remind people that this yeah. is available from independent bookshops support your independence shop local off your toodle go on <laughs> um, and then because you're you know you're going to get the people that won't support us and they will buy from that place anyway they don't need to be told but it's the people that they genuinely forget especially after the lockdowns they've all been cocooned in their prop in their homes um and they've become very isolated and um they're not they don't think outside the box anymore and they don't think oh yes of course we've got a couple of bookshops in town we'll actually go and support them they just see that amazon you know and mm -hmm. you see it in magazines and online all the time and you've got some wonderful books and um you know and then it's got oh go and buy from amazon you think what yeah and, also, and that is hard it's in the publisher's favor to support us because um otherwise amazon basically they just shout about the ones with the biggest marketing campaigns um you know the famous celebrities whereas you say if you come to the bookshop um we can recommend stuff they won't have heard of you know from the the smaller authors the smaller publishing houses who can't afford to do the big national campaigns so you know it makes sense for them to support us more to sell their books that Absolutely. you know there's, it's, it's, there's, so, there's hundreds and Russ. hundreds of books being published every week you know they can't all get the same spotlight you know the same attention so, but we can, we can draw attention to the small books that don't really get much attention at all, have no marketing budget because, you know, we've read it. Yeah. Yeah. Word I, of I, mouth. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is the challenge for us as a small publisher. So we've got 17 authors. We've got about 30 books out at the moment. Uh, we're going to add to that list. How do we as a small publisher, and there'll be lots of them listening to this, approach, uh, you know, time pressed bookshop like yourself, um, uh, what's the best way to get their books in front of you so that you, you might consider them for, for stocking or for recommendations? Um, I, if you can, you know, working through the Booksellers Association, they do the publisher's bulletin every couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to, and, you know, being able to send out proofs, whether it's electronic is fine or, you know, an actual hard copy proof. I know it costs money, 
but if I've actually read the book, I can then talk passionately um, and in depth about the book to the customer. And that's what our customers want. They want, they expect you to have read all the books, which is possible, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so using the publishers, um, books, sorry, the booksellers association yeah. um, is, is great. You know, that's, it's kind of the one-stop shop. I do. I find AI sheets, you know, being emailed, the AI sheets are really good. Um, <clears throat> sending out proofs are good. Sending out bookmarks are good. You know, acknowledging. So if you've got if you've got a book coming out, then say, hi, you know, we've got this book. We thought you'd like it. Um, this is what you want to do. I mean, for example, Manning Tree Witches. I mean, I know I'm living near, you know, we're fairly near Manning Tree here in Suffolk. Yes. Um, and um, I got sent a proof of that and thought, oh, this is good. I'm going to run with that. I have now sold over 200 copies um, and um, probably more. And I'm still selling them all the time. And, um, you know, it's because I got sent a proof and I thought I'd like it and I push it. And it's the same with anything. If you sell, um, you know, if we get the books um, in and like Chrissy said, if, if we like them and we all probably have books that we like more than others. So we're going to sell those. And some of the smaller publishers like yours, um, they get to know what their bookshops sort of specialise in. You know, we we sell a lot of um, fantasy, science fiction, um, uh, his, uh, historical fiction, um, and unusual books as well and the, some of the small like you know the alliances and things like that they've sort of like picked up on what we do so they will sort of say look I think you this is really going to suit you they're brilliant we will sell it we will push it we will talk about it we'll we'll do a live event on it you know talking about it um, and that way we will sell more of the books yeah yeah because um, parents, that's the one where I find people want the most uh, recommendations. Yeah. Parents don't read the children's books. So the fact, you know, I can read so many of them. And as just as you said, the mandatory, which is I had, um, there were some series of books, The Land of Roar and things like that, because I just adored the book. Um, and yeah. the Pearson one, the incredible, you know, Freddie Yates, because I love the book. I've sold, they're the biggest sellers in children's books. And, yes. and, and tomorrow it's, you know, Point Bright and, those, and Rick Riordan, because I'm just so passionate. So that's the area parents don't know the children's books so they really for me to go I have read this and because then they're worried about the content you know what all oh, they're this such and such stage is it okay I can say you know hand on heart oh yeah no there's nothing to worry about in this or actually yeah the themes are a bit heavy it's not right for an 11 year old but it'd be fine for a 13 year old sort of thing mm. so being able to read the books um yeah makes such a difference that's perfect because I've got a 12 year old and he we were in um, a bookshop the other day and he said I don't know what to read now I'm not quite young adult but I'm also too old for the for this shelf and so yeah I wish we so could got a Christmas shop. Carol by Charles Dickens <laughs> <laughs> well I would definitely say Anthony Horowitz <laughs> Alex Ryder um or the Rick I love the Percy Jackson series he has it at my house he has his own shelf I've all I love a hardback and I'm like and I've just got every single one of his the whole series all the different series he has his own special shelf because i just adore those books excellent i'll i'll, I'll talk to toby when he gets home from school we're conscious of time <laughs> uh, ladies and thank you so much for your time because it's been inspirational uh, to feel the passion you yeah have for, for, i love it for books is is fantastic it's like uh you've switched us into the national grid and we were <laughs> um, let's be honest there are days i'm i'm sure you have days like this 
where you know is it worth it it's all a grind and you know things aren't quite going as you as you'd hope because we all set off us as publishers you as books shop sellers and book, book, book shop owners and things with great passion and great ideals and sometimes they get dented along the way but this has been very uplifting yeah I have definitely to say. Yeah. but i have to put in front of you one or well, we put in front of you the greatest challenge in british broadcasting <laughs> rebecca's random question okay so it's the same question for both of you um i, I think i'll ask chrissy first uh, give jules time to think of an answer so i i've got this theory that everybody uh, when you die everybody has their personal heaven and hell that they get sent to depending on how good they were and my perfect heaven would contain orange chocolate cheese red wine coffee and books my my hell would have balloons fireworks and um um, broccoli in all its forms broccoli (laughs) cat diarrhea oh yeah right yeah so i want to know what would be in your personal (laughs) heaven and your personal hell oh personal heaven welcome yeah books (laughs) obviously a lot of books um chocolate dark chocolate hot chocolate um flowers the smell of beautiful flowers and colorful flowers um and my cats the ones <laughs> that are here and the ones that have gone before me um oh, i like yeah. that <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh my animals no they're definitely yeah they'll be there um Fantastic. and yeah actually some loved ones who've again you know gone before me as well be able to see my sister again and things would be lovely oh, oh that would be lovely and Jules. So how about the hell? Oh, talking? we haven't got hell yet. Yeah, yeah, we need some hell. Hell. Um, <laughs> uh, hell would be sharks. <laughs> yes. So I know that's random. And because for someone who lives on an island, I will not go in the sea. I, it, Jules. No, just, I won't either. Just, I agree. I love swimming in the sea. <laughs> uh, I know. So my friends, I'm like, yeah, no, not happening. I just, yeah. Um, <laughs> liver. <laughs> Kidneys. That, liver. Yeah. Live, yeah, sorry, it was one of the meals that you know, my mum did when we were kids and it'd just be the one that you'll sat at the table for an hour because she wouldn't let us get down until we'd eaten it. Oh, I remember. So, yeah, <laughs> Same like, here. no, just, just no. <laughs> and I tell you, one other thing is books that have, um, uh, people who've ripped books or bent the corners of them and things like that, I'm just like, blasphemy. A book is a work of art. We don't ruin these things. Oh, I agree. They, they should definitely be in the everybody's hell, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Jules, have a few, couple of moments to, uh, to think about it. Where's, where's your heaven? Where's your hell? Well, um, certainly I would have books, obviously. Um, Brussels sprouts. Um, in your heaven? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and dogs, because um, dogs, dogs are my 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 passion my life um i'd like to make sure that there was narrow boats um in my heaven because that's what i'm going to retire on um a narrow oh, boat you must come and, up to uh, uh, where we are the norbury junction oh wow i must come and visit you and music um i could never be without my classic rock music so i would want books brussels sprouts dogs narrow boats and music <laughs> and see. in my hell there really isn't anything that i would um, want to banish to hell and not have but the only thing obviously that I would be was uh, would be um, Amazon 
<laughs> oh, crikey. Can you imagine if you had to live in Amazon well, for eternity? Oh, well, that, that, is a, that is literally, as they say, a living hell. So, um, yeah, that would be it for me. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for joining us on the Hobcast Book Show. It's been an absolute honour. We will be linking uh, to both your shops um, uh, on the text that goes with this, this podcast. But uh, for the benefit of our listeners, uh, Chrissy, where, do, where can we find your bookshop online? On, well, the main website is uh, medinabookshop.com, um, but you can find us on Instagram and on Facebook, and we are Medina Books IOW. Fantastic. Isle of Wight, of course. And if we come to the Isle of Wight, we are coming to your bookshop before we go anywhere yes. else. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're going to do that. And, and Jules, the Woodbridge Emporium, the, the online facing side of it? Yep. So our, our website is uh, Woodbridge Emporium. Uh, .co.uk and we are also on um, all social media platforms we're on Facebook um, and Twitter and Instagram and you know please come in and join in with us as well um, follow us and don't forget to support independent bookshops <laughs> such energy and passion for books it was really it was like being switched into the grid wasn't it really absolutely and i could almost smell the books just by talking to them yeah and they've not <laughs> lost their excitement i mean you, you know i've worked in retail a fair bit and uh, awkward customers come in every uh, you know uh, field of, of selling but um you know more power to their elbow because it's it's just wonderful to hear that the pandemic has actually made people appreciate their bookshops more and uh, we're, we're delighted by that. If there are any other bookshops who wish to contribute uh, to future episodes of the podcast, we'd love to speak to you because, you know, we learn so much from it and I'm, I'm sure our listeners do too. Uh, this week, the Sunday Times uh, listed their books of the year and I was, uh, you know, it's interesting that categories included the crime fiction books of the year, mm. about a I think 15 titles in there, historical fiction as well. Some friends of the programme featured. Absolutely, and so can, big congratulations to uh, Mark Billingham, who's in the list, isn't he? In fact, he's a, more than that, he's their choice of the year for crime book, Rabbit Hole, by yes, Mark Billingham. I have read, and I must admit, I loved it, because it's got a, a, in quite a good blend of humour and uh, sort of the, the human vulnerability as well I, I, it's a really good book yeah it, it's set in a uh, psychological uh, s- sorry a psychiatric ward isn't yes, it yes it is yeah and I, I think you did get some feedback of people saying oh it's not really like that or you know oh, you should have more sympathy for people in that situation but I, I he does actually if you read it you know he, there is that in there as oh well, absolutely but... there is I listened to the audiobook version with Maxine Peake doing an absolutely superlative <laughs> job it's a, it's a brilliant uh, piece of work from her too um, so yeah it's one of the audiobooks of the year in my opinion and uh, Abby Mukherjee uh, sorry you were going to say Janice Hallett was oh, also Janice the Hallett, other, yes. their other choice she, she also um, has been selected and I've read that and it's The Appeal yeah. The Appeal and I think it's one of the highlights of the of my year of reading because it was so different and it told a story through messages and emails there was no other narrative at all and that was so clever and so unique yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the other sort of friend of the programme who featured in the lists, uh, Abby Mukherjee for The Shadows of Men, uh, which we discussed just a few episodes ago um, and in the list of historical fiction books. 
and you would expect that. I would say this, though, about the Sunday Times list. Where are the real independent authors or books? <laughs> They're not there. The publishers, we're not featured. I mean, not saying Hobeck necessarily, but, no. you know, the, the, the types of books and types of publishers that we are are not being featured in these lists. And it is like a glass ceiling at the moment. I think that it's interesting that with our, our, one of our recent releases, the Genesis Enquirer, we, we had um, uh, some publicity work, uh, which Ollie sourced f- for the book, with Angela Maman, who's been on the programme, as you, as you regular listeners will have heard. And she has all the contacts you could ever want in that field. All the journalists, knows them all. But it's still a really uphill struggle to get a major national newspaper to take one of those books and their precious little slots in the culture section of the Sunday Times, for instance, and get a review. I mean, the evidence is the fact that we did send out um, quite a few books to very well-known reviewers from the national newspapers, and we didn't get it. Drew a blank. Admittedly, we didn't give them a lot of time to to recognise it, but uh, I think there is a snobbery. Um, I think there is also an issue that basically they don't really have to look beyond the traditional publishers because there's so much product. Oh, that's a fair point, isn't it? They know that if, if they select from the traditional publishers, they're going to get the re- you know readers interested, and that so yeah, they've got to think about what's good for the paper, and that. it's a shame, really, isn't it? I mean, I don't know how we can change that mindset, but. Well, that's one of our challenges. It's one of the many challenges that we face and targets that we've set ourselves. I mean, it may be impossible, but we're getting a good, good try. <laughs> we're optimists. Yeah, are, we are. We? I mean, look, you know, we, we sit here in our uh, in the uh, cafe, Keffy Cafe, the in, cafe. In, in Matlock in Derbyshire, um, and we have to each week. I think this is a fair point to make. We have to each week restock the optimism because it is a challenging selling environment at the moment. There's no question about that. Uh, there's many of the reasons we've described over the last few weeks. Uh, you know, and Black Friday, the noise of Black Friday and Cyber Monday drowns out all at the moment. I mean, the cost of Facebook ads is just astronomical at this stage because everyone's trying to flog computers and, and washing machines and... Yeah, you know. the, I mean, it, it's, it's ironic, isn't it, that sort of run up to Christmas is actually not a good time for us because of the fact that there's so much um, advertising going on for all sorts of products at this time of year. Yeah, so it's expensive. Uh, and in the book market, it's the most febrile point of the And, you know, as Chrissy said, the only time they ever put hardbacks in their store is for Christmas. Yeah, that was very interesting that she talked about that. Yeah, so there's a glut of biographies and all that sort of thing uh, out at the moment. So, uh, yeah, we're not going to lie to you. I mean, you know, we need to sometimes remind ourselves what we've achieved over the 18 months, two years since we came up with Hobeck. Um, and that's not always borne out by, you know, <laughs> the money coming in. But we have achieved a lot. And a trip like this, across the hills, through the snow, while you're getting all romantic and I'm trying to keep the thing on the road... Um, gives us a chance to you know actually have a proper conversation about priorities uh changes of tactics and strategy yes car journeys are our strategy meetings 
They are, but you do it more often. <laughs> Except I'm looking at that snow. I know, you're getting nervous. I'm getting very twitchy. I think we'll go straight back after this. <laughs> anyway, it has been a pleasure, as ever, to bring you the Hobcast Book Show this week. And uh, we are looking forward to another, uh, yeah, pretty busy week. In fact, we have um, uh, Linda Versha, whose Blood Notes came out last week, um, has a little launch party, uh, which we would love to go to but we're going to struggle to uh, next Saturday at uh, St Edmund's Church in, in lovely South Wales uh, so that's on the agenda in terms of uh, you know things Hobeck related we've got lots of other projects on the go and thank you that's me lovely thank you what an awesome looking sandwich oh we've got some pomegranate seeds you lucky thing I don't like them <laughs> anyway, and uh, we're hoping we'll have advanced copies of um, The Dark Side of Christmas finally. We've had a few issues in production, but fingers crossed they will arrive during the week. Absolutely. And the other thing to mention is Daria's Daughter is now out in audio from Yay. Linda Huber. <laughs> and it's brilliant, Leanne. Thank you hey, very much. Would you like any sauce or salad? Uh, mayonnaise, please. Yeah, mayonnaise would be great. Thank you. Uh, what was I saying? Um, Linda Huber's wonderful Daria's Daughter, narrated by Leanne Walker is out now and it's even made it to audible in time I know which is a first it is a miracle Uh, it's a brilliant audiobook and uh, it's uh, yeah worth looking out for don't forget we actually have on our website www.hobeck.net a special audiobook uh, link which goes to our audiobook shop page and it's a good deal cheaper if you want to buy the book audiobook from there they're at discount rates compared to anywhere else you'll get it. So uh, it's worth bearing in mind. Uh, anyway, I, I digress. I, that's my plug for the week. <laughs> it's a good so, plug. It is. A, well, our food's arrived. It's going to get cold. I've got a little pizza flatbread. You've it, got a, yours looks delicious. Yeah, you've got a cheese sandwich. I do. And uh, we're going to munch our lunch. We and then we're going to zip back home before we get snowed in. Yeah. So, what it remains for us to say is uh, thank you very much for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you are new to us. And uh, wherever you get your... Thank you. Wherever you get your uh, podcasts from. But uh, from me, Adrian Hobart. And me, Rebecca Collins. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Hobcast from Hobeck Books with Adrian Hobart and Rebecca Collins. You can find the show notes at our website www.hobeck.net You can also use the exclusive Hobcast discount code for any of the products at our Hobeck online store. Just enter the code HOBCAST20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to subscribe to the Hobcast and feel free to contact us with any feedback. Until next time, remember our motto Trad Values, Indie Spirit. Indie Spirit